0: Good to see you here today, so thankful you've chosen to be with us. We have a number of guests, and we're thankful for that. I suppose that many of you are visiting with family, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We do have around 75 or so that we left up in Nashville. They were there for the Lads to Leaders convention, and we're thankful for our young people and those who work with them, for the parents who work with them, for the, for the good work that's done through Lads to Leaders. And uh, even though there's a Sunday in which we have so many who are away. We're we are thankful that they're able to go and participate and learn and be able to bring those things that they learned back not only for a short period of time but for the rest of their life, that is, in leading songs and doing speeches and, and serving the Lord. And so we're thankful, so thankful for that. We're glad that you are here with us today and we hope that by the time you leave here this morning you can say that it has indeed been good for you to have been here. Now you may have heard of this particular acid that's used. It's called di- uh, uh, hydrocylic acid, hydrozylic acid, and, and it's pretty dangerous in uh, some forms. Matter of fact, it has another name by which people call it. It's also called dihydrogen monoxide. Now I want you to think about some of the things in regard to this particular substance. It's dangerous in the sense that sometimes this substance can cause severe burns to the skin and not only can it do that if you inhale this substance it can be fatal for you it's been found in cancerous tumors that have been removed from people and and not only that but when you put it on metal of different kinds it accelerates the corrosiveness of that uh, thing that that uh, metal it's also been used in a in a number of industrial situations as a solvent. Uh, it's also used in pesticides, in the manufacture of pesticides. And yet when, when you pick up some junk foods, you'll see listed on the label this very substance that is used. But you know what even worse than that is dangerous as this substance is, some parents have unwittingly given it to their own infant children how tragic is that that parents would give their children something as dangerous as dihydrogen monoxide there was one young guy who decided that he wanted to see how many people would agree with him that this substance needed to be banned entirely just to get rid of this substance entirely. And so he did a survey, and in his survey, 86% of the people who surveyed, who he surveyed, they said, we agree with you. We need to sign a petition to get this substance banned. As dangerous as it is, if he came to you today and asked you, would you be willing to sign a petition to ban this substance, would you be willing to do that? I mean, it's dangerous used in pesticides, used in, found in cancerous uh, 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 tumors that have been removed, corrodes metal, can kill you, burn your skin, would you be willing to sign that petition? It may be that some of you would, but if you did, you would just ban water. Dihydrogen monoxide, H2O. Is it fair this morning to say that some people are gullible? You know those eighty-six percent who signed that, who would have been willing to sign that petition. They, they're somewhat gullible. They, they heard the name. They, they thought it was dangerous. and indeed, water. You know that's what H two O is. It will kill you if you inhale it. You will drown. It will burn you if you, you know, if you get in steam. It will scald your skin. It is used in a number of situations. You know all of these different things. It's true. All of these situations are true in the right circumstance, it's true, but, but some people are gold. There were two disc joc- jockeys down in uh, Florida on uh, April Fool's Day a number of years ago who got into some trouble because they, they got on the radio and talked about how this substance was coming out of the taps. Of some people at home, you know, it was running into their sinks, and they were, and people just got into a panic in some places, you know, because they heard that. They got into trouble because of it. But, but you know what? Sometimes we are gullible, aren't we? We hear something and we don't investigate. We we take it to be true and yet we don't examine the facts. We have some facts. I gave you some facts about water this morning. And, and, you know, when I look at those, if I don't examine it and look at it and understand it and use the intelligence that God gave me to use, then I might get myself in trouble a lot of times. And so it is fair to say that sometimes we're gullible. That doesn't mean that we're... We're, we're, we don't have a brain, it's just sometimes we don't use it in the way that God intends for us to use the intelligence that He instilled within us. And so when we think about that, I'm so thankful this morning that, that there were some people many, many years ago who were not gullible... Uh, they, they wanted some information and they had some information. They, they needed to know some things. You know, sometimes we hear things that just sound too good to be true, don't we? And, and a lot of times when we hear those things that are too good to be true, we have the ending of that sentence that we sometimes use. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Well, there are some things that we need to talk about this morning that sound too good to be true, but I suggest to you they're not. They're not too good to be true. Brother David read to us this morning about two men who were walking. They were traveling to a place called Emmaus. It was on a Sunday morning many years ago now, and as they were walking, they were talking, the Bible says, about some things. And there was another man who came and who stood with them and asked them some questions and they had a discussion together. And if you go on and you continue reading in the book of Luke chapter 24, you'll find that this man actually went home and, and there was a meal that had been prepared. And, and as they're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus eventually reveals Himself to them. They understand. It had been hidden from their eyes, the Bible says, that that the man that they're talking to is Jesus, and and eventually he, he reveals himself and... And the reaction of these people is that they immediately leave, they travel that seven miles that they had already traveled and in leaving Jerusalem and going to Emmaus, they travel that seven miles back to find the apostles that were gathered together, the eleven who were gathered together there in Jerusalem. And they began to have a discussion. They have seen the Lord. And they're going back to tell the people that the Lord has been raised. And you know what happens according to the book of Luke, chapter 24? In verse 36, beginning, the Bible says... And as they were talking about these things, you see, they got back and they told the apostles, and the apostle says, well, Peter has seen him too, and, and as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. They were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. They didn't realize again who it was that was there, and he said to them, Jesus said to them, Verse 38, Why are you troubled and why uh, do doubts arise in your hearts? He said, see my hands and my feet. Look at them. See my hands and see my feet. He says, it's me. See my hands and my feet, that it is. I myself touch me and see. If you turn to the book of John, you'll find that, that John says, not only did he say, look at my hands and look at my feet, he says, look at my side. See where the spear was. Look at my hands and my feet and my side. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they disbelieved, for joy. And were marveling, he said to them, Is there anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took it and ate before them." as they're looking at this Jesus, they're seeing Him. He has revealed Himself to them. They still disbelieved and were marveling for joy. They had been with Jesus for three years. They had seen the miracles that He had performed. They had heard Him preach. They had, they had witnessed so many things as they learned at His feet. And yet they didn't realize they couldn't comprehend it. Just didn't click in their mind when he was telling them, "I'm going to die," and they argued with him, and and it didn't click in their mind when when he's talking. And what we know is Matthew chapter twenty-four that 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 he's going to to the temple down and rebuild it in three days. It didn't click with him that, that, that he's talking about being murdered and then being resurrected from the dead. It just didn't click. And when they see him, they still can't believe it for joy. You know what? It is just too good to be true. They believed that the resurrection seemed too good to be true. Their king, the one that they had placed their faith in, the one that that they believed was the Deliverer who had come to deliver them, That, that he had been killed, but now he's alive and they couldn't comprehend it. They were so happy to see him again, and yet they disbelieved it just seemed too good to be true. But do you remember what we read? As we were reading there in Luke chapter 24, remember that Jesus said to them, Hey look, here's my hand, here's, here's my feet, look, here's my side. I, 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 it, I, it's me. I, I'm not a spirit. I, I'm not your imagination. It's me. Jesus showed evidence. You see, He didn't want them to be Gullible. He, he, he didn't ask for them to, to, to just accept, you know, that, that this had happened. And by the way, you know, we could go back and we could talk about this morning, the conversation that those two men that we were talking about at the beginning, those two men were on the way to Emmaus. If you noticed when we read that, the Bible says that, that they were talking about the things that, that had happened in these days. You see, on Friday... Jesus had been nailed to a cross. About noontime on that day, Jesus uh, was hanging there, and the sun refused to shine. It got dark. And about uh, a few hours later, there was a great earthquake. Can you imagine living on that day? Imagine what was happening, what was going through your mind. It's dark in the middle of the day. There's an earthquake And it's not finished yet. According to the book of Matthew, chapter number 27, when all of this took place, there were some cemeteries that emptied out. Dead people got up and walked back to the city and appeared to many of them. Can you imagine the conversation that was going on? Wow! Dark, earthquake, earthquake, Uncle David or Aunt Susie, they had come back and they are talking to me even though they've been dead for years. It's just too good to be true, but all of that, Jesus showed them some evidence. You know what? I'm thankful for old Thomas because Thomas is somewhat representative of us. Thomas wasn't there. He was one of the apostles. He wasn't there on that day when Jesus appeared to him. They told him, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. We've seen his hands. We've seen his feet. They may even have said, we have seen his side. Thomas said, guess what, folks? You can tell me that all you want to, but I am not gullible unless I see it for myself, unless I can put my hands like you have done, unless I can put my hands in his, my finger in his hands and, and see his side and see his feet, I'm not going to believe. I'm not gullible. You may have taken me in while, while he was here on this earth. I may have believed that he was who he said he was while he was here, but he's dead. It's just too good to be true that he is alive. And so that's why we read about Jesus appearing to him the next Sunday and say, hey Thomas, look, here's my hands, here's my feet, here's my side. Put your finger in it like you want it. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, you've got an opportunity that a lot of folks didn't get. There are a lot of people who won't get to put their hand, their finger in my hand, or my side, or my feet. But because of the evidence, the fact that you did, and that Peter did, and John did. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, that on one occasion more than 500 people did, all at one time. You and I can believe in that today. It may sound too good to be true that a man was crucified and that he was resurrected from the dead, but it's not too good to be true. You know, religious people all over the world today are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in a sense, I'm thankful for that because... They have recognized His existence, but I'm sad for them as well that they only do it one day a year. We do have the opportunity, not once a year, but once a week, to recognize the death of our Lord, but not just the death. In the very institution of the supper that we just took, it is implied the resurrection because Jesus said when he instituted when he talked about his, his blood and his body he says I will eat it with you in the kingdom it implies his resurrection you see his death was of utter unconsequence, consequence were it not for his resurrection and if you don't recognize that every first day of the week you have missed partaking the Lord's Supper in the correct way. And not only do we recognize His death and His resurrection, we also recognize the fact that one day He's coming back. Because in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 26, we partake of this, we remember His death, which also is a consequence because of His resurrection until He comes again. He's coming back. And so every first day of the week, we have that grand opportunity to remember what Jesus did for us. Not just one time a year, 52 times a year is the way God planned it out. To remember that this event that seemed too good to be true, it really is true. True. I said a moment ago, there's some other things that seem too good to be true as well. What are they? Let's think about it. It may seem too good to be true to us that somebody would love me enough to die for me. Love me enough to die for me. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. For while we were still weak, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at John chapter 15, verse 13. Jesus says, Greater love has no man than this, but that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, I'm laying my life down for you. In the book of Galatians chapter 2, at verse number 20, the Apostle Paul puts it this way He says, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved Me and gave Himself for Me. Listen to me very carefully, folks. We may miss ourselves in the fact that Jesus says, that Paul writes, that Jesus died for the ungodly. We may miss ourselves when we see that Jesus says, I'm laying down my life for my friends. We may miss ourselves when the Apostle Paul says, Christ died for me. But I want you to understand this morning, we're included in that. We're included in that. We are part of that first crowd. We are part of that second crowd. And like Paul, we can say, That Christ died, gave Himself for me. I don't know how much you may look at yourself and say, how could anybody love me? I've spoken with people through the years who said, I've done so many things that nobody could forgive me. How could anybody love me? And that's sad. But I want you to understand this morning, somebody loved you enough to die the most cruel death imaginable just for you. It may sound too good to be true, but somebody loves you. The person sitting beside you, the person in front, the person behind, and every person you'll meet today and tomorrow and the next day. Somebody loved each one of us so much that he was willing to die for us. may sound too good to be true, folks, but it's not. Secondly today, As we think about it, it may seem too good to be true that somebody made it possible for me to be saved. i got a strange question for you this morning. What would you do if you were bitten by a rattlesnake? Now, wait a minute. Before you say, well, I'd have a heart attack and I'd pass out, you know. Before you say that, what would you do if you were bitten by a heart attack? Well, let me tell you two or three things that you probably need to do. Number one, in spite of the fact that you don't like snakes and that one did get you, you still need to be calm. You don't want to get your heart racing any more than it has to because you don't want that poison spreading any more than it has to. So, number one... I suggest to you, stay calm. Number two, do your best to immobilize the limb. You know, if they bite you on the foot, try not to move it any more than you have to. Try your best to immobilize it. Some, some say even to, to split it like you would in a you know, someone who's broken a limb, you know, to keep from, from moving your leg or whatever, to, to keep it from spreading. But number three, seek medical attention as fast as possible. Get you some help. Get you some help. I doubt that there's anyone in this good audience who is brazen enough to say, well, I'm just too tough. Rattlesnakes won't hurt me. I'm not talking about... You know, you're standing out here and that thing's over there about 10 or 20 foot away from you. I'm talking about the one who already bit you. You've got the fang marks in your foot or in your hand or where in your leg. If you're so foolish as to say, Well, these rattlesnakes won't hurt me. You probably deserve what you're about to get. Okay? Seek medical attention. Why? You are in danger of losing a limb or losing your life. Well, I just don't believe rattlesnakes can hurt me. Okay. Which funeral home did you want? What did you want me to say at your funeral? This person gets bit by rattlesnake and doesn't do anything about it. That don't make good funeral sermons. okay? Well, I didn't know you didn't know. Maybe you didn't know, but you are still just as poisoned whether you knew that they would hurt you or not, aren't you? A lot of people do not even realize that they're lost in sin. A lot of people do not even realize that they need to be saved. Saved from the sins that will cause them to lose a soul. It may sound incredible to us, but there are a lot of people who are much more afraid of a rattlesnake than they are of a sin that will cause them to die forever. But Jesus made it possible for me to be saved. That my sins, as dangerous as they are, that they can be removed. Romans chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Since therefore we've been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Focus on that word wrath. The wrath of God. Why is God's wrath coming? Well, if you back up in that same book, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Ungodliness, unrighteousness, sin, brings the wrath of God upon us but Jesus through his blood through his death through the fact that he was raised you see according to the book of Acts that is the ultimate proof that he is who he said he is that he does have the power to forgive sins that he is who he says he is it's through that that you and I can be saved I may not even know it. I may think that that sin won't hurt me. But just like rattlesnakes, just because you don't know it, just because you think they may not hurt you, doesn't mean they won't. Sin will too. Number three, somebody made it possible for me to live forever. Can I ask you another question this morning? How much would you pay to be able to live forever? What would you pay? While you're thinking about that, you answer it every time you add what you pay on a medical bill. Don't you? Why do you go to the doctor? Because you like doctors? No, you go to the doctor because you're sick. What difference does that make? Well, if I'm sick, I want to get better. Why? Because if I don't get better, I might die. And so every time I go to the doctor and I get charged a bill, I'm saying, I'm going to pay this much so I can live. Every time you buy a vitamin, you say, I'm paying this much. You can add that to your medical bills. Every time you buy a vitamin, you say, I'll pay this much more so that I can live. Every time you buy piece of exercise equipment. Now let me finish the sentence. And use it. Not just for a hanger to put your clothes on in your bedroom. But every time you buy a piece of exercise equipment and use it, you're adding to the total. You say, I will pay this much to continue to live. How much would you pay to live forever? You can't answer that question, can you? Because you would say, I would pretty much give everything I have to live forever. Well, let me tell you this morning, in spite of how much you spend, you are still going to die. Jesus made it possible for me to live forever. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has His Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life you see what I am spending so much time and effort to achieve here on this earth has been offered through Jesus and guess what folks he's offered to let me live in a much better place one where I'll never get sick where I'll never have to suffer, where I'll never have to cry. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? But it's not. It's not. You see, like the resurrection of Jesus, these three things that I've mentioned to you this morning... They sound too good to be true, but they're not. They're all possible though, but they're possible because of Jesus' resurrection. What does that mean? He is the Son of God. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord. Great grace was upon them all. They thought on that Lord's day, after His resurrection that day, it was too good to be true. We find them just a short time later, they're telling everybody about it. Oh no, it's not too good to be true. We've seen Him. We've seen Him. We've touched Him. We know that He's there. We know who He is. We know that it's true. And we are willing to give our own lives because of it. Too good to be true. Is it? No, it's not question is this morning, we're not asking you to be gullible, but would you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? He lived, He died, He was resurrected, He is the Son of God. He's given us what He wants us to do in order to have the salvation that He offered to make it possible for us to live forever. He loved us enough to do those things for us, but would you today be willing to obey Him? Maybe you're here today and you know that you need to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. You do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You're willing to turn from a life of sin. It's called repentance. You're willing to make that great confession that yes, I believe in Jesus as the Son of God. And you're willing to be immersed, buried with Him so that you too can be raised, resurrected in a spiritual sense so that you can live for Him. And later with Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you need to do that. If you have questions about it, we would love to study more with you and point out more from God's Word what it has to say. And maybe you're here this morning, you've done that in the past, but you know today your life is not right with God. And you know you want it to be right. If you're here today and we can pray with you and for you, we would be more than happy to do that. We would love to do that. We want to do that right now as together we stand as we sing.